This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello again, and welcome to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. I'm your host, certified sex therapist Lori Watson, author of Wanting Sex Again, and blogger at Psychology Today and WebMD. And I have with me Dr. Adam Matthews, my co-host, who's a couples therapist, psychotherapist, and president of NCAMFT. Foreplay is dedicated to helping couples keep it hot. Thanks for listening. Now on to today's topic. Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. This is your sex therapist, Lori Watson, and our couples expert, Dr. Adam Matthews. And today we are talking about how to say yes to sex. I love that title. I know. Saying I know. yes to sex. It's our next book. That's our next book. <laughs> saying yes to sex. What are we what are we talking about about saying so, yes to sex? You know, so a sexual distancer, right, is somebody who doesn't necessarily not like sex, but is Mm -hmm. in the dynamic of the relationship, the person who's not uh, the initiator, somebody who is often backing away from sex. But oftentimes we work with sexual distancers who really truly want to get in touch with their eroticism, with Mm -hmm. their inner core. And so we want to help these people. How do they say yes to sex? How do they turn on the green light? On the inside. Well, tell me first, why are why are they saying no if they want sex? Because this is the question of the sexual pursuer, right? Mm-hmm. If they want sex, why are they saying no? Okay, so they often say no because it doesn't feel emotionally safe. So it, okay. it's hard to overrate how important emotional safety is to the sexual distancer. You know, that they often need a, a true sense of... A relationship being good, a relationship being warm, a relationship being empathically attuned before they can feel comfortable exposing themselves and being vulnerable sexually. Mm. So so that's often the main reason that they're not. But I think also frequently they might be the person who is undeveloped in terms of um, they haven't given themselves permission to Mm. think about sexy erotic thoughts, uh, Mm. fantasies. They don't know themselves. I've worked with a sexual distancer who says, you know, I'm a Southerner and we don't do that. Yeah. You know, and I've never touched myself and never would. And this these instructions are brand new for me. And I mean, all of that kind of development that most children learn on their own. I mean, this person may not have discovered their body and discovered the kinds of touches that they like. They may never have allowed that to happen, or Mm. or they may be underdeveloped in terms of initiation. Maybe it's gender, you know, biased. They think women don't initiate. Or, you know, I also work with male sexual distancers, and many times for them, it's about difficulty with intensity and Mm -hmm. intimacy Mm -hmm. and so they prefer to masturbate instead of share sex and so they have done that and the thought about sharing sex they're anxious about criticism Um, maybe they've become sexual distancers because of a sexual dysfunction like premature ejaculation or something yeah i think i think for men sexual distancers a lot of it is the fear of rejection yeah right if they share too much if they share too much emotionally or they offer up that part of themselves (laughs) Then they're going to be they're going to be rejection rejected, which is mm-hmm. difficult. 
Mm-hmm. And you're talking really about the pursuing pattern that has given up, and now the the distancing pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think both ways they can be the sexual pursuer who's given up, uh, who tried all that, mm-hmm. and then has withdrawn into masturbation, or it can be a person, a guy who just finds that level of intensity difficult in relationship. And you know, relationships are strenuous. Yeah. I mean, all of us know that, right? To be in a long-term relationship is often brings conflict and brings difficulties, and it's hard to be mature enough to continue to negotiate all kinds of things. So, so if we, if I'm in a sexual, if I'm a sexual distancer, what are some things? I, it's hard for me to say yes. What are some things that are that, from your perspective, Lori, are going to help me to say yes mm-hmm. to sex? Right. Okay. So first of all, I think they need to build their own sexual awareness and drive. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit about like tuning in to the airwaves, if you will, about what's sexual out there for them. Mm. I've said in other podcasts that after I was a sex therapist, I began to hear innuendo in a new way. I it began to hear it everywhere. I mean, everything almost can sound like a sexual innuendo if that's how you're wired. Mm. And I think the same thing with a sexual distancer. It's like, can you tune in? to what makes you feel something, become aware yeah. of it. Like, you know how people take, keep gratitude journals? Yeah. You know, every day they write down three things that they're grateful for. Well, that's essentially what I'm asking these people to do is to become aware of, you know, I heard that sexy song. Mm. That song always makes me think of when I was 18 and had my first boyfriend or I was in college and fancy free and me and my girlfriend were, you know, on this trip and and I was wildly sexual at that time and I wasn't afraid of intimacy. I was, you know, sharing. I was talking about the deep stuff. I think, you know, frequently, right, when we're young, we share the struggle of what's inside and it becomes uber safe emotionally because both people are so vulnerable Mm. and that's part of what makes sex so hot. Um, So, you know, coming back to the vulnerability and, and testing that, okay, I'm, I'm going to try a little bit. Yeah, I think sometimes that step, even when you ask people to become aware of their uh, sexually aware, mm-hmm. right, of themselves can even feel like a, a, if it feels like a big step, I think one thing that they could do, and I think this is in line with that, is they just even become more aware sensually of their body, right? Mm-hmm. And that they start, that they raise their body awareness. There's tons of different ways that you can you can do this exercise, um, yoga, just sitting outside and being aware of what you're feeling. Um, but just raising your level of sensuality may then be a step toward also raising your awareness sexually, which I think they go hand in hand. They relate to each other. But a lot of times I think sexual distancers have just completely removed themselves from any kind of experience with their body. In their body. Yeah. yeah. And I love that. I think exercise, yoga, all that. And I think obviously they're going to have to self-stimulate too. Mm-hmm. You know, to learn how to reach orgasm, to learn the best touches that they like, uh, maybe to learn how to withstand arousal. It's funny because for some of these people, arousal, while most ordinary people think that that's pleasurable, for them it's almost a knife point of pain. So it's like arousal feels so anxiety-inducing that they they can't relax into it. And so that's why giving themselves control over it versus a partner first, where they literally take it into their own hands, is can be helpful. That they can learn how to, to cope with those sensations and translate them as pleasurable. So obviously use a lubricant, use a vibrator, you know, learn how to 
come up the mountain and slide down the mountain, not necessarily going over the edge into orgasm all the time, but, you know, edging essentially toward orgasm and learning how to do that in a very low anxiety situation. Although one of the problems, I think, with uh, masturbation and self-stimulation is that some people report, you know, it's kind of like trying to tickle yourself. And, and I, I I deal with this a lot with women who say, you know, I, I don't get aroused when I do that. I don't feel anything when I do that. And so they have trouble, like, tuning in. But some of it is they're watching themselves. They're, they're rating themselves. They're saying it's not happening. It's not happening yet. And so they can't, like, let the sensation happen. So part of that is... You know, this is a process. Think about a six-month arc here in terms of your development sexually. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. Yeah. So another thing that we talked about is discovering the root cause of turnoffs as well. Right. right? So I, I think about libido as being obscured. Libido is this life force, right? Sexual desire is something that is innate in all of us. And so if you don't have it, you have to try to figure out why. Was it uh, a memory that you have blocked? Not necessarily even a trauma memory, but maybe it was the the child who was discovered masturbating and mother said, you know, stop that. That's dirty. Don't take your hands out of there. And they incorporated that as, you know, this part of my body is naughty and off limits. Maybe it was trauma. Maybe it was, you know, good girls don't. Maybe it was, you know, like you've talked about, this repeated rejection you know, says, I, I can't face that anymore. I, that is so painful to me that I'm just not going to negotiate sex. I'm going to literally take it into my own hands. Yeah, um, but I, I think if that, to be able to do that too, when you start to discover those roots of the turnoffs, though, you have to start to question them as well. Mm-hmm. That maybe that wasn't the the interpretation that I put to those things, that sex was bad or that um, this was not okay or that I'm going to be rejected. You have to start to question those and right. say, and, and maybe that, that's right. not the truth. It's it's the processing of those. It's yeah. not just discovering them and then that's it. Okay, then I won't be sexual. Yeah. But it's how do I get past those to try again? Yeah, because I think a lot of people, they feel the effects of those things, of those root causes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they know, but they just don't, they don't, they say, well, that's just how it is, mm-hmm. right? And that there's no... There's no moving forward from this because this is just this is just stuck. This is the this is where I am. This is what's happened to me, and there's nothing I can do about it. As opposed to saying, okay, well let's let's know how this has affected you because everything affects you, right? Mm-hmm. You can't be unaffected by those type of things, by things your parents said or how they acted about sex or traumas you had or whatever it is. Um, and so, because those things affect you, they you can process through them and figure out how to how to change that. Yeah, and I would say. Hormones are an important thing to be evaluated, to go ahead and go to a physician, get your hormones checked. I had a young woman come in recently, one of our patients, and she was in her mid-30s, and she was in premenopause. I mean, Mm. it was just tragic because she was so young, but literally her testosterone was on the floor. Mm. And it made sense, you know, why she had no libido. So, I mean, certainly taking those steps to active... Uh, concrete ways to discern, okay, why do I not feel anything? But overall, I would say the biggest thing is somehow or another, emotionally, people are cut off from their sexuality. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, we're going to come back. We're talking about how sexual distancers can say yes to sex. sex. We'll have more. On the inside. (laughs) We'll have more tips for you right after this. 
thank you so much to all our Patreon supporters. Right? Yeah, Patreon is a platform where you can directly support things that you love. We really want to expand the resources that we can be able to provide right. to you as our listeners. If you know our work touches you and our work helps you, we would be so grateful for your support. Just go to our website, foreplayrst.com, and there you can find a way to support us, and you can see our episodes and our blogs. And thank you so much, guys. Speaking with certified sex therapist Lori Watson from Awakening Center for Couples and Intimacy. Lori, what is an intensive? So an intensive is 12 to 14 hours of therapy all in one weekend. And it's a way to really make fast progress compared to weekly therapy. I mean, there's just so much more you can get done when you have a chunk of time. Overcome the challenges in your relationship and your sex life. Learn more about intensives and Awakening Center's other services at awakenloveandsex.com. At Matthews Counseling, we believe it is our job to come alongside you in whatever difficult challenges of life you are in and help you rediscover hope and to find the strength that you have to face those challenges. We strive to create a safe and comfortable place for you to explore who you want to be and identify the obstacles standing in your way. Oftentimes, the first step toward finding help is the hardest, but it can also be the bravest. Give us a call at 919-587-8018. Find us online at matthewscounseling.com. We look forward to working with you. Welcome back to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. Uh, Today we are talking about how to say yes yes to to sex. sex. If you're the sexual distancer. If you're the sexual distancer. I like that. That was unplanned, what me and Lori just did there. You're welcome (laughs) for that little bit that you'll get. Um, But we talked about- Adam's had too much coffee. (laughs) I need more coffee. uh, I haven't had near enough. But we are, we talked about before encouraging- the willing sexual distancer to become aware of their own, uh, increasing their awareness of their body, their sensuality, um, keeping a journal like, similar to a gratitude journal where you talk about things that you experienced throughout the day that were a little more sexy, discovering the root of your turnoffs and processing through those all important things. Um, but then a couple other things that we feel like would just be really helpful to sexual distancers as they try to say yes to sex. One of them is paying attention to dreams that they're having, right? You're a big right. fan of like unconscious processes, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. So I'm a like Neo-Freudian. <laughs> you're a Neo-Freudian? Well, I am. Okay. Yeah. Um, the dreams the dreams are important to you, so well, tell me about that. Well, the thing is, right, is sometimes sexual distancers say, I don't know. I just don't like sex. And so what that tells me is that there is something unconscious, something they cannot access that is blocking the libido. And how do you get there? I mean, a couple things. Freudian slips, I, I really believe in that. You know, people say things that come from the unconscious and right. they say it out loud. Um, dreams are a pathway into the unconscious because yeah. we can't control what we dream about. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a sexual dream. Uh, sometimes it's a Sometimes a sexual dream actually doesn't have meaning about sex. And sometimes dreams that are not sexual have a great deal of meaning about sex. Mm -hmm. But it's learning to analyze it and to figure it out. So I had a patient who said, you know, when I have a sexual dream, this is the only time I feel very aroused. And I often roll over and capitalize on that with my partner. And what it told me was that the main problem with her was actually inhibition. Mm -hmm. That when she wasn't in an anxious state... Uh, when anxiety was removed, her natural libido came forward. So that's what we began. That's what we learned from it was mm-hmm. in the sexual dream, she could see herself uninhibited. She was already aroused. Right. So the body is a great 
tool, essentially, that can be used by a sexual distancer to, as you gain arousal, actually inhibition can be reduced. So mm-hmm. it's not just cognitive, right? Mm-hmm. Reducing inhibition allows you to be aroused. It's the other way around, too. Having arousal allows you to be uninhibited. So yeah. we worked on it that way. But I, But beyond that, understanding that, you know, a dream may trigger in you, oh, this is my turn on. Yeah. You know, this is one of my turn-ons. And oftentimes sexual distancers, is if you ask them, well, what do you like sexually? You know, they're like, oh, I, don't know. I don't know. I have no. no idea. You know, because they haven't allowed that active conscious fantasy. So a dream state is a way for them to remember, okay, these are the themes, right, that turn me on. And, and many people, you know, are turned on by different themes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's kind of classic ones, right? There might be aggression. There might be submission. There might be, you know, being romantic, romantically swept off your feet. I mean, there's all kinds of sort of classic themes. And a dream state allows you without filter mm-hmm. from your conscious mind to learn what you like. And I think then practically, too, I mean, you can share those dreams uh, with your partner because I think one of the things it does is says there's still sexual energy inside you, inside the distancer, and, right? And you know you just spoke for every sexual pursuer out there, right? Are they talking <laughs> like, about their sexual <laughs> Like, please, please tell me the dream, please, you know, so well, I can but know. I, I mean, I think when you have them, like, noting that, like, yeah, it no, just, I, it's, I reass- it's reassuring, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think it is it is a turn on for sexual pursuers for sure. Sure, absolutely. Um, but I think knowing that that still occurs is really encouraging, right? Because mm-hmm. you can't deny if you're having sexual dreams, you can't deny that there's sexual that there's sexual energy, energy inside. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Uh, I think another way to kind of discover the themes that turn you on might be to read erotica. Um, you know, there was there's some books out there that are erotic that uh, are themed. You know, mm-hmm. so different issues, and, and you might discover, oh yeah, this works. Um, somebody I know told me about this kiss that was really, really passionate when they were first getting together, mm-hmm. and that is her touch point. That's her fantasy that she all. It's her go-to fantasy when she wants to turn on, um, but by and large, she acts like a distancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and so we've been talking about what made this event, um, this this kiss so important and it was like it actually had themes that were not sexual it was about being so wanted so desired Mm -hmm. so um that her partner able to discard kind of constraints that it turned her on so much so so it was like a it was a public kiss or something that Mm -hmm. wouldn't have normally occurred and it was her sense of being desired above all others, not necessarily just sexually desired, but just as a person. Mm. And so that's her touch point. And I think that often sexual distancers have never allowed themselves like a specific fantasy or they've been told fantasy is wrong and bad. Right. Um, well, and that's another another point that we, we, we've mentioned or talking about, too, is like getting in touch with those fantasies, mm-hmm. right, becomes important for sexual distancers because, that, again, that's about desire, similar to dreams, but distinct in its own right as well is that the the fantasy um, and the sharing of that of finding at least one or two of those that you can hold on to and you can hang your hat on are, are important right and I think that many sexual distancers don't fantasize mm. or if they're a male they dilute their sexual desire for their partner with so many fantasies right so much porn or a woman who maybe is so shut down that she doesn't fan- she doesn't have one fantasy that she can imagine that would turn her on. Yeah. Maybe she thinks it's wrong, right? That the only way a woman should respond in a marriage 
is by sensual touch. She should not have a fantasy in her mind. And I got to say, women turn on with their minds. I mean, they have to have erotic content in their mind. They have to have anticipation or a memory that they're thinking of or a projection into the future. If they don't turn on in their minds, um, you know, it's very difficult to get them going in their bodies. Although, this is another tip, I think, as a sexual distancer, you might try it. You might try a vibrator. Like, Mm -hmm. try the cold start, you know, and just see what happens. See if getting your body aroused will allow you to actually turn on in your mind. The next thing that I think we would offer is that when that happens, right, anytime, whether it's it's with self-stimulation or it's other times where as you become aware of that arousal, when you have those dreams, when you experience those fantasies, is then being able to describe what it feels like to you, Mm -hmm. right? Not necessarily Mm -hmm. to your partner, but just to you, even to yourself of being able to put words to that. Um, that's similar to me uh, thinking through about like when we talk about mindfulness, right? A lot mm-hmm. of times or even just calming anxiety in general, we talk about having people describe what they see, right? right. I, or what like I see the chair, I see the door, I see the window, right? I see this color, right? I can hear these, I can hear these things. I smell these things. Like that's getting in touch with the body. And I think even sexually being able to say, this is what this feels like to me. I feel this in my body here specifically, where in my body do I feel pleasure? Where do I feel turned on? Like that seems to me to be really grounding in the body and starts to really help them be in touch with their sex drive. Yeah. And I think, I think you're absolutely right, Adam, that they need to become conscious so that it's replicable to um, they can do it in again. partnership. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's eventually the goal is so that it can be shared. But but also they need to be okay with owning it for a little bit for themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so that they can work through that, okay, this is mine. This is delicious. This is what it feels like. That sense of I can own it and now I can consciously share it is kind of a process. I mean – I think you're right. That's what we want for them is to discover something that is theirs so that they can tell their partner eventually. Uh, And certainly we know every partner out there. And I know you're going to want your sexual distancing partner to listen to this, but uh, be careful. Yeah. You know, this is really for the sexual distancer who is willing. It's a progression, right? I mean, I think think we have presented a lot of this in progression. Like as the sexual distancer grows, as they develop, they get in, they just start, start, as they're willing to start to address this, they build their awareness, they start to track their feelings, uh, and they start to get to the root of what's going on with them, why they're saying no, they start to look at their dream. Like it's all a progression, right? Mm -hmm. And I would say, like, one of the things too is that as this progresses, that they, and they start to actually initiate sex. Right. That they have to figure out how to do that safely. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it is important is they may not be the one that initiates all the time. But part of that growth as a sexual distancer is to start to engage sometimes and finding a way to do that in a safe way is very important. So like what's a safe way? Well, um, I had a friend of mine. His name is Thomas. He said I should use this Um, when we were talking about it. He was telling me about it. Permission. Yeah. So (laughs) he had. They he has they have him and his wife have little pet names for each other, right? Dragon and unicorn. Oh, really cute. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> they have this. They somehow I think um, his mother in law gave this to him, where they have a stuffed animal that can turn into either a dragon or a unicorn. Interesting, right? Interesting. So when she when she this when, is the deep dark uh, bedroom <laughs> secrets of Thomas. Okay, go right? ahead. When they um, is he the unicorn? With he's the, the dragon. Oh gosh, yeah, he's weird. the dragon. Right. Okay. When he wants sex, it's it sits on their bed as a dragon. 
Ah. When she wants sex, it sits on the bed as a unicorn. So it's like the secret sign. It's a secret sign for uh-huh. them that they it's the non threatening. Doesn't know, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, they, just... yeah, they don't have any kids yet. I imagine <laughs> as that gets older, when their kids starts to want stuffed animals, they better get rid of that. But they found a way. They to found safely a way. signal each other that, that they wanted sex. Yeah, that wasn't it. Wasn't threatening. It was simple and straightforward. I, I think that sexual distancers are often more receptive to their initiating partner. And I think this is a really important step and a difficult step to offer up. You know, I I had this sexual fantasy. I had this sexual dream. I've learned this about my body. Um, And again, if you're the sexual pursuer, take your time with this. You know, give your partner a lot of space, like six months of space to develop the erotic core on the inside before you expect them to tell all. And, you know, we should talk about, you know, how they could do that, which is the sexual distancer maybe can talk about desire, what kinds of things turn them on to desire, what arousing touches turn them on, what they like in orgasm, do they like it in certain positions, do they like, you know, what do they like about orgasm? I know that sounds funny because it seems so obvious, but it isn't. And then what do they like after sex, after intercourse, if that's where they're going, or after a sexual exchange, do they like to be held? Do they like to go out? Do they like to go to sleep? I mean, maybe segmenting it like that makes it a little more orderly in the way mm-hmm. they tell each other yeah. uh, and gives them some structure. Yeah, and well, it takes it out. communicate it. it. Yeah, it externalizes yeah. what they're talking about and helps right. them, helps it to be something that exists between them rather than something that just exists in the mind of the distancer or the pursuer. Right. Okay, you're listening to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy with your sex therapist, Lori Watson, and couples therapist, Dr. Adam Matthews. You can now call in your questions to the Foreplay Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-4PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. Hey, help us stay on top here at Foreplay. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.